Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rebecca F. as in Frank and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Okay, this is Katie. Let's get started. Oh, Katie. I'm going to start the recording. uh, Melanie already did, I think. Oh, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're live and recording. Thanks, Katie. Um, today is Monday, May 21st, 2018, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. I apologize if I assumed that it was Melanie and didn't realize it was supposed to be Katie this morning. Today we are reading from the big book and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works on page 61. We will be reading and commenting on the first full paragraph, which begins with what usually happens and ends with a producer of confusion rather than harmony. Today's readers are Katie T, Kathy C, Martha Z, Allison L, and Craig F. The reference number for Sunday, May 20th, 2018, special edition meeting is 11437. That's 11437. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie T., to read the 12 steps of OA. Uh, this is Katie T, a compulsive overeater. Am I heard? Yes, Katie T. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, or made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 
Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Katie T. I will now ask Kathy C. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning. My name is Kathy C. and I am a compulsive reader from Canada. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Tradition 1. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our unity. 2. For a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the own name to any related facility or outside enterprise unless problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book in Chapter 5, How It Works, on page 61. 
we will be reading and commenting on the first full paragraph, which begins with what usually happens and ends with a producer of confusion rather than harmony. I will now ask Martha C. to please read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha C. I'm a a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he's sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Good morning, my friends in recovery. Um, So I was told when I first uh, went through this book with my guide, this particular part, that I was to personalize it and put it in the present tense. And um, I found that so amazingly powerful and very uncomfortable because it really described me well. So I'm just going to read that part that way, and then I'll apply it to my experience. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. I begin to think that life doesn't treat me right. I decide to exert myself more. I become, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still the play does not suit me. Admitting I might be somewhat at fault, I'm sure that other people are more to blame. I become angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is my basic trouble? Am I not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Am I not a victim of the delusion that I can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things I want? And do not my actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all of they can get out of the show? Am I not, even in my best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So I, before recovery, I had this young family and my constant feeling was always frustration. I was always trying to arrange this perfect family. I wanted this warm, close, loving family, everything that my family of origin wasn't. But I couldn't get them to stay put. So, um, And I kept thinking my motives were so good. And um, But I really could see now, very much self-seeking, I wanted this perfect family to make me look good. And I also thought that it was my job to make everything everywhere come out all right. So um, I have to say that in recovery, I'm extremely grateful that it isn't my job to make everything come out right everywhere. And um, it's it's quite a relief. And um, and sometimes my family members can be themselves and have their feelings and make their own decisions. And, And sometimes if I need, if I feel I need to say something, I can ask if they want feedback. And, um, 
especially with my daughters. And um, and so, and and I can be okay if they don't take my suggestions at times. But I get into trouble when my fear takes over and then my control comes out and I, I'll either start asking them about something several times or I'll get really afraid that something terrible is going to happen. And um, so that's that's where I'm grateful to have my um, my recovery program that helps me to pause and pray and see my part and to ask God to remove my fear so then I can make amends and peace is restored both inside and out. So very grateful for this recovery program. I don't have to do this thing perfectly. And when I get agnostic and get scared, um, I have a way to get out of that and, and be more reasonable with them as well. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Martha Z. Who would like to share on this paragraph that Martha just read on 61? Matt M. Matt M. Anyone else want to get in line? Sandy D. Was it Sandy D? Yes, it was. And then Lynn S. And Ginger C. And Melissa C. Roz G. Okay, wait one sec. I think I heard Tenzin P and Roz C, maybe? Or D? D? Yes. Okay, I think that's a good number for now. So I'm going to repeat. Matt M, Sandy B, Lynn S, Ginger C, Melissa C, Tenzin P. I think I wrote R, but I think it's P. And Roz D. If I got anything wrong, please correct when it's your turn. Matt M. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt Emma, a possible reader. Yeah. The first requirement is that we convince that any life run itself well can hardly be a success. You know, for me, I think I can do it all sometimes, you know, and the reason I think I've been struggling so much is because I think I can do this without any help whatsoever, and um, that's not true. This is a wee program, and I have, I know for me, I'm looking for a sponsor right now. I'm looking to get out of this relapse. You know, I'll try to live my life by self-propulsion. You know, if I can just uh, hit hit it hard enough, you know, I, I can get rid of this problem and it'll go away. If I hit my head against the wall hard enough, it'll go away, you know. Like trying to, like, you know, um, get rid of the headache by cutting off my nose to spite my face kind of thing, you know. And um, I'm definitely, when it comes to this disease, I can be very egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. I'm a, I'm a liar by nature. That's the, way I, that's the way I was raised. That's why I use it as a defense mechanism to be able to lie instead of tell the truth when I be so much the truth would serve you so much better. And, uh, you know, but I am a lot of times, I am kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. But the thing is, like a lot of the times when I'm in the disease, I use those traits in order to manipulate people to get what I want. And that's not that's not who I really am. I know deep down I'm somebody who has compassion for others and definitely cares about other people. But, like, when I'm in the middle of my illness, it definitely shows that um, I have a lot to work on. And I'm looking for myself to get where I want to be, where I was before previously. And I know it's going to take a lot of time and effort. It doesn't happen. Uh, you know, a, a thousand-step journey happens with one step. You know, i got to take the first step. That's what I'm looking at right now. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Madam. Sandy B. Hi. Um, this is Sandy D. from uh, uh, Recovered in Illinois. And, um, man, this paragraph just hit me between the eyes because uh, I've always been a person that's lived by the determination, the self-determination, and um, decided to exert myself more and more um, 
I came into program last August after another failed marriage and um, had to really look at my part and what was happening in my life. And recently, um, you know, I, I worked through the steps and I'm sponsoring a couple people and my step 10 really wasn't working well and I was trying to figure out why. And I went to the uh, AA 12 step and 12 traditions and I uh, really looked at that, and the line that jumped out at me was, I constructively criticize others trying to win pointless arguments. And I think this speaks to this paragraph of exerting myself more, but when I really need to surrender and do less. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandy D. Lynn S. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive reader from Toronto, Canada. Boy, this paragraph, these couple of paragraphs really bring back a strong remember when I can remember I used to leave work and I would sit with the big book and I'd be eating lunch and I'd be reading about how I was always in collision with something or somebody and the tears would just be streaming down my face because that's exactly where I was again. And, you know, that that um, producer of confusion rather than harmony, my heart would sink like a rock. I just felt the weight of hopelessness and despair even though I was in program, even though I was um, abstinent, this emotional sobriety, this, these two paragraphs just described my, what, what my life was like and I saw yet again and again and again how I was acting in every line in these two paragraphs. And I just, I just remember the difficulty of knowing that it could be different and it was within my reach but not sure how to get there. And when I think how this was how I used to live all the time and it is changing now and what's the, the biggest thing for me is sometimes it slips back into here and I'll do something and I see my actions described in these pages on the book and I know that I'm off kilter. I'm off base. And I also know I can't make me be any different. And I really struggle with with, um, act as if. I I, I can't seem to do it. And I think I maybe perhaps I don't grasp the principle behind it. But I do know when I'm in in a similar situation and I act differently, I see it immediately in hindsight and realize that is the grace of God working through me because I've been working the steps and God is changing me. So while this brings me back to almost a pit, reminds me of that that desperation, that hopelessness that I felt, and that producer of confusion rather than harmony yet again and again and again, that there is recovery from this. There is emotional recovery. And with that, I am so blessed. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn S. Ginger C.
Ginger, are you there? How about if Melissa C., if you're free, you could go next, and then we'll try for Ginger. Hi, Rebecca. This is Melissa C. Thank you for your service. Um, You know, it's um, like, what do you mean if you're, (laughs) like, if, if, Managing well doesn't make you happy. Like, that just, um, that blew my mind. Like, I thought, well, look at all the people who have what I want, you know, who have these lives that I like, and they're managing. Like, that's what it always looked like to me. And and that might actually be true for them. But, um, you know, step one tells me I'm not like other people. And so, for me, I cannot get happiness out of managing well. You know, and um, this is already like when the food is down, you know, like, like because when I'm eating, you know, when I was eating compulsively, I had no, I had no like energy, interest, ability to even think of managing, you know, I was being like rolled over. But it was every time I put the food down, suddenly I was going to like grab control over what looked like it was a mess in my life. And um and, and that always, like, sent me right back to eating again. You know, and so, like, today, um, when I think about myself and, and where I begin to fall short on, you know, um, when I start to feel like I need to manage again, um, I get really uncomfortable inside because I don't always know what's managing and what's parenting or what's, you know, being a good teacher, or what's being a decent daughter and a, and a good wife. Um, how do I discern what's managing and what's, like, you know, doing the right thing? But um, I can tell today because I get really uncomfortable, and I start getting into collision with things. Things don't go smoothly. And so um, a lot of my work these days has been in pausing, like, like just – don't say every thought that comes out of your mouth, you know, like at your daughter, like at my daughter. Like that's like the perfect place for me to like sit back. Um, and and because I've managed, um, you know, being like a, like a bully, like, you know, like yelling or, or, you know, trying to like push. And then I've also done it by being like overly sweet and nice and that's manipulative. You know, and so now, like, I see it a lot with my daughter, um, especially. Um, You know what? I can, she might make a lot of mistakes, and and I'm going to have to be okay with that. You know, I'm going to have to, like, let go of my fear of not looking perfect, of our family not looking perfect. Um, God has a master plan. It's it's not mine. And um, if I do that, then I can have peace. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. It occurred to me that I might have thought I heard Ginger C when I didn't. I'm going to try once more, though. Ginger C, did you speak up and get in line? Maybe I heard Melissa C. (laughs) thought it was Ginger. So, um, Tenson P, correct? Hi, I'm here. Yes, it's Tenzin P. Glad to be on the line, and thank you to everyone who has shared and 
moderated the call. Um, wow, so this paragraph and the ones we've been reading recently, ooh, they make me really squirm. Um, you know, we started the third step just, um, you know, a few paragraphs back, and then it's circling right back to what appeared to me to be some other pieces of first step. And, um, you know, the thank you, God, the, for me, the food is down, and I am deep in my ninth step. And um, ho-hum, uh, many of the amends that I'm making are versions of what this paragraph is talking about of um, being the manager, overstepping boundaries, trying to get things, whether whether sweetly or by being bossy, um, getting trying to get people to do things the way it seemed right to me. Um, I've appreciated that people in the past couple of days have talked about, well, um, you know, using using the energy and the abilities that I have as much as possible to be productive in this world has been one of the ways that I was trained and raised and 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 so to find to find that balance of what it means to let go and that it doesn't mean, you know, things like, oh I'm lazy or oh I don't care. It's really about uh surrendering um a piece that really isn't mine that is um part of a bigger picture connected with higher power. I um, am grateful for a lot of guidance these days from from sponsor, other people on the line, um, other professionals who who have a bigger picture that I do my best to open my mind to. So um, what else? Uh, yeah. So where where the way it says, um, uh, admitting that he may somewhat be at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. Well, that was the the um, view that I had for a long time. So my um, my prayer and my wish and my actions are: may I take all the responsibility that is mine, without self pity, without self hate. And may it become, may it energize me to become who I deeply have the potential to be. Thank you. Thank you, Tenzin P. Roz G. Good morning. My name is Roz G. And I'm a compulsive overeater in Los Angeles, California. And I looked at that sentence that said, he decides to exert himself more. And I thought about Bill's story and how he wanted to be in charge of everything. He wanted to show everybody that he had made it. And I did that. And and as I as as I as I recover more and more and I work these steps more and more and I take a look at myself more and more, I I, I look back to my childhood and I know Bill came from divorced parents and so did I. I had two things in my childhood that were kind of like a way that I didn't get the attention that I needed. First of all, I'm the middle child 
And I think a lot of st- stigma comes with that. Or, you know, you, you want the attention of the eldest and you don't get it. And you want the attentions of the baby. I did. I'm saying me. I'm talking about me. So I was starved for attention in the family. And then, but my parents would see it a different way and tell me, no, we loved you just as much, but I didn't feel that. And then being of mixed races and living in a 90% Caucasian neighborhood, being called names, not fitting in with either one, with either any race, wondering who the hell am I? And so I exerted myself. I want attention. Please pay attention to me. You're not doing it right. So I'm going to be a victim and I'm going to seek attention so that you can notice me. But one would think, or I would think, no, because you treated me this way in the family and because you treated me this way in the neighborhood, I'm not going to be like that. I'm going to be nice and kind and loving and accepting and tolerant. I won't be like you, but no, I was not. I blamed everybody else, just like it said here. In fact, I, I was in the theater. That was my thing in high school and college, middle uh, community college, my first early years. I got into the theater department, and I always wanted to be the lead. And when I didn't get the lead part, I cried. And this one teacher finally said to me, what's wrong with you? Aren't you even grateful that you got a part? But I was way far from understanding anything about my disease because I ate over all that stuff. I didn't gain weight back then. My metabolism was, was was an enemy of mine, and I was thin. But later on, when I started to, to the weight started to come on, and um, I got into OA, I understood that I have the disease of more. I want more. It's never enough to quench the thirst for attention and love that I needed. So I'm so grateful that I have worked these. Thank you. I'll just wrap up. I'm saying I'm grateful that I continue to work these steps and I continue to see that I'm selfish and self-centered and that the the steps turn me and are turning me into a person of being selfless and other centered. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Rasti. Before I take more names, I just want to let anyone who got on the line late know that we read one paragraph on page 61. It was the first paragraph that begins with what usually happens. And who else would like to share on that paragraph? Reva P. Katie P. Was it Katie G? Eileen M. Katie T. T. And Eileen M. Sarah H. Kim M. Karen H. and something M, someone M? Sima. Sima M. Kim G. Kim G. Okay, let's go with one, two, three, four, five, six, the six of you. Unless I missed someone, let me say who I wrote down. Reva P, Katie T, Eileen M, Karen H., Emma M and Kim G. Did I miss anyone? Okay, Reva P. It's your turn then. Good morning. This is Reva P. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto, and I love pages 60 to 63 because these pages show me what 
I am like and what my life will be like if I don't go on with the rest of the steps. So here I am at uh, step three where I have to make a decision and why? Why do I need to do the rest of the steps? Because I don't only have a physical allergy. If I just had a physical allergy, I would get abstinent and get on with my life, maybe come to a couple of meetings, you know, listen to people, but not really have to do much work. And the reason I need to go on with the rest of the steps and actually do what it says I need to do is because this is what happens. I am selfish and self-centered. I want what I want when I want it. I want everybody to do what I want them to do for their own good, for my good, so I can be comfortable. Um, And when I run the show, I'm like this tornado, this self-propulsion, like I get, I try harder and harder and things get worse and worse um, and I create a lot of confusion. And this is like people have shared in abstinence. Um, So I love the reminder that I need to get back on the beam. When I see myself controlling other people, because I feel like this is my job as a parent or this is how I'm supposed to be um, in order to be responsible. These pages show me that my, uh, it says in the 12 and 12 how I have to align my will with God's will. I can't go in to life alone. I cannot run the show um, because I make a mess. And the only way that I can know what God would have me be is to do 4 through 9 or you know, then 10, 11, 12 because I need to get all my blocks out of the way. Um, I'm constantly blocked. Um, so I'm just so grateful the reminder that when I see myself behaving like this in abstinence, um, it's a great reminder to get back on the beam, do the step work, and then once the blocks are removed, um, I get to know what God would have me be um, and to align myself with that vision and with that I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Katie T. Good morning. Uh, This is Katie T, Compulsible Reader. Am I heard? Yes, good morning again, Katie T. Thank you so much. What strikes me, what usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides to exert himself more. Um, Because it talks about the show and playing roles and who's the director in this section, um, I have a role that I have named um, Queen of the World. And the queen is, expects deference. But a good queen will also, you know, be kind and generous when necessary, but the bottom line is the queen um, gets her way. And just like a couple of pages before, it says, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, I was willing to go to any length to get what I wanted, what I thought I was, de- what I thought was deserved um, for the queen of the world. And um, I like specific examples. When I was early in absence a couple of months ago, um, I went to, and early in the steps, I went to a uh, hardware store to return a hand truck. And it was way outside of their guidelines for returning anything in terms of time and other, other details. Um, so they refused. And uh, immediately I said to my husband, they haven't run into Katie T yet. 
I called their like corporate headquarters, got on got online with someone, and all of a sudden I saw them scurrying around, taking pictures of the hand truck and the label, and the world was starting to spin my way, and I was so satisfied. I just I did exert myself more. I exerted myself more. I'd started out being kind, but now I was being demanding and was being kind to the woman on the phone because she was helping me. And in the end, I did secure that return. And the odd part about it was that that victory, in quotes, was very hollow because I was beginning to see um, what this program is about again. And um, I was very troubled by it. And um, what occurred to me this morning also is on uh, page 84 um, of the big book. It talks about, you know, we have ceased fighting anyone or anything. And that fight became so, um, that victory was so hollow, the fight was so um, unnerving and troublesome to me that even though I wasn't anywhere near the amends, the step four amends, I immediately uh, the next day tried to turn that around to call the manager and apologize, to call the cashier and apologize, um, and call headquarters and make sure that they were commended for their behavior rather than um, uh, registering my complaint. And now that I'm approaching uh, the eighth and ninth step, or I'm working on eight and nine, um, I just, I, I look back at some of these things in my past and I am just, uh, humbled by, um, how, how horrid my behavior had been and, and the motives for that behavior. This book is such a blessing to me. My sponsor is such a blessing to me. Thank you all. And I'll pass. Thank you, Katie T. Eileen M. Good morning. This is Eileen M. Can you hear me? I hear you, Eileen M. Welcome. Hi. Um, gratefully recovered in New Hampshire and uh, love this discussion. I was thinking about um, how this relates to me is that I, you know, so often tried to control everything in my external environment in order to be okay. And, you know, that even went to, you know, doing whatever I could to try to change other people the way they thought about me. Um, you know, and that was all based on fear of other people's opinions. So I would try to manipulate them somehow so they could, you know, I wanted to control how they thought about me. And God, that's, you know, I think about that. That's so self-centered. And, you know, where is higher power in all that? Um, I love what was mentioned earlier um, about, you know, wanting to get other people's attention because I, I grew up in an alcoholic family and um, I was an invisible child basically. And, you know, I just, I was so focused on trying to be the center of attention all the time. And, um, you know, it really, really wasn't good for me. It was, you know, very self-centered. And um, anyway, so um, I really enjoyed hearing what people have to say about this. It was a really good discussion. So thanks so much. I pass. Thank you, Eileen. Um, is someone named Karen H. waiting for a turn? I may have gotten the name wrong. Yeah, it was Sarah H. Oh, Sarah H. Sorry about that. Thank you. Sarah H., your turn. Hi, Sarah H., um, recovering in Illinois. This is my first time sharing on the line. Um, 
and this paragraph, um, this part keeps on coming up. And so I take that as a sign um, for my higher power, the repetition of this is what I need to be reading. And um, boy, I'm so grateful that there are other people that um, experience feeling like this. And um, I think that's part of how the disease manifests itself for me of like wanting to feel like I'm the only one, like I, this can't possibly, you know, like that self, that self pitying. Um, and you know, this is me trying to be virtuous and like making it seem like there's good intentions, but really the intention is me wanting to get what I want. Um, and I'm, I'm just really grateful to have these pages and to have this part, it just, it puts it out so black and white um, and calls me out on my stuff. And I'm just, I'm so grateful to to have that um, so that I, I can work towards that emotional sobriety. Um, And I'm starting to experience that and just, I'm just going to end with that. I'm just really grateful for that and for having these pages and for calling me out and for um, being able to share and listen with others here online. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Sarah H. Sima M. Hi. Hi. Can I be heard? I hear you, Sima M. Good morning. Good morning. This is Sima M., grateful compulsive overreader living in recovery. Uh, I love this paragraph. And uh, I feel as though uh, I don't, I'm not demanding. I just want things to be right for everyone. And it should be obvious to everyone that what I want is a good thing and that uh, I I just don't understand why they don't get it. And time and again, this has caused me to go into depression, isolation, um, seething anger below the surface. And thank God for this program and these steps and all of you on the line that I realize I'm not the only one that feels like this and that this is a a manifestation of this disease and that the way out of it is to keep searching for what God's will is in a situation. And um, although I've had a lot of relief, I still have this nagging feeling that uh, my daughter should want me to spend more time with my grandchildren because I didn't have as many of the people on the line said my parents were divorced and I didn't have any contact with my extended family. And therefore, it would be good for them, it would be essential for them to have contact with the grandmother and grandfather when they're young. And my daughter has uh, whatever she has and I still can't convince her that it's a good thing. And um, so I'm still struggling with that and uh, asking my higher power to direct my thinking and to direct my feelings so that I don't take it personally and that I don't feel like she's causing them uh, undue uh, 
sadness in their lives that they will regret later on when in fact that might not be the case and it's just what I think things should be. And uh, so I just wanted to share that. I'm still struggling and um, I thank everyone for sharing because it's given me strength to uh, just keep pursuing God's will and letting it happen. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Sima M. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And, you know, I like to put these uh, paragraphs or these sentences in the, into I to make it personal for me. So am I not, even in my best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? You know, I had a lot of prejudices um, what step three was. And, and, and really what I thought step three was, was I was going to make a list of what I needed God to do today in order for me to be happy. And, and basically I treated God like an errand boy. You know, I'm going to tell God what to do. And when that didn't happen and I didn't get what I wanted, I was going to quote unquote, take my will back. And these pages 60 to 63, that's not what this is about. You know, what, what is happening at this point? You know, I have come to the conclusion that I am powerless over alcohol and my life is unmanageable. Drunk or sober, I'm screwed. And step two, I come to the conclusion I need a power. Don't have to believe in a power ever. Don't need, don't need to have any conception of a power at this point, but the conclusion that I need a power. So now in step three, on pages 60 to 63, I'm being confronted. What is life like when Kim is the manager of her life? I'm being told that I'm constantly in collision with other, with other people. I'm being told that others are wrong. I'm being told now that I produce confusion. I'm going to rest satisfaction. I like that word rest because I'm wrestling. And the main problem is I am, I am, I am trying to play God. Because the reality is I can't turn anything over in step three. What I am making a decision about is because of my powerless in step one, because of my, my understanding I need a power in step two, and because of my confrontation and my understanding in these couple pages that I can't do it on my own, that I need to make a decision to turn towards a different way of life. I need to turn away from the self-centered resistance, self-centered way of living, this idea that I can play God, and I need to learn a different way. And by making this decision, I'm going to launch on a program of action. I'm going to learn a skill set in four through nine that I'm going to implement in 10 and 11. So I actually don't turn my life and my will over in step three. I actually turn it over in 10 and 11 after I've learned the skill set. So step three is a turning point from self-centered way of living to an other-centered way of living. And the question is, do I identify in with pages 60 to 63 to the extent that I'm going to be willing to take some actions that I may not even believe in, that I'm very uncomfortable doing, but I see the necessity to do it because of how I have acted and the, and the, and the consequences of living this way. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim G. Is there anyone else who would like to share on that first par- paragraph on this 61? Marsha M. Okay, Chase I think I only have time for two. So was it Larry and Marsha? Yes, Marsha yes. M. 
Okay, and if there's time, I'll put Teresa's name down too. Go ahead, Larry Kay. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much for your service. The, um, you know, this notion of control, I needed to see myself in here. And, you know, was I the, was I the interrogator? Was I the uh, intimidator? Was I the aloof person? Was I the poor me? Was I the flatterer? You know, the, uh, when I was the interrogator, you know, I began to question you, you know, so that I could hold sway over you. It was part of, you know, the control drama. The intimidator, you know, the interrogator constantly questions and criticizes the behavior of others. You know, the intimidator uses threats to get others to comply. When I was aloof, the aloof uh, person acts distant and detached, speaking rarely, and then, and then only in vague and cryptic ways. And that strategy, you know what it did? It made others do all sorts of work in communicating. And when I was the poor me, I constantly whined and complained about not feeling well. And this strategy uh, drew, you know, made you feel guilty. And when I was the flatterer, I st- still also wanted to manipulate to get my way. The, po- the point is, is that in these paragraphs, can I see me? You know, it's interesting. We can be recovered as a result of these steps and still engage in these things. You know, this is, a, this is progress, not perfection. This, the, the, spiritual, the spiritual unfolding, right? So for me, I need to see myself in these things. And I think what, what I would wrap up by saying is, as the result of these steps, and the transformation, you know what it is? I can see when, not if I do these things, when I do these things, when I engage in these things, I think I can see it more clearly. And I can, I can do a 10-step and I can change my behavior. I can make amends and I can change. And you know what? I don't engage in those things as often as I used to. Instead of 100 times a day, maybe it's 10 times a day, you know? But I can see it. By the grace of God, I can see those things. How often... We claim to be recovered as a result of the steps, but we, we don't see ourselves in these controlling and sometimes manipulative ways because we still want the world to, to operate according to our script. Mm. And that, that's sad. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. Marsha M., is it? Yes. Can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Marsha M. Good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for letting me share. Um, This paragraph just jumped out at me this morning because of an incident that happened over the weekend, and I thought, oh, boy, I'm really being spoken to. I underlined some things in this paragraph that said demanding, somewhat at fault, angry, self-pitying, tries to manage well, producer of confusion. So yesterday I had a package that was supposed to be coming to me. I live on a a campus of buildings. I got a call from the reception desk, and the package was delivered to the wrong address. And I was very short with the nice lady on the phone and said that it was the deliverer's fault, and would they please have someone deliver the package to the correct address. So about 30 minutes later, an aide came and very nicely delivered the package to my door. And all this time, I felt wretched inside. So I immediately got on the phone and called the reception lady back and apologized to her for taking it out on her 
that it was not her fault. And she was very gracious and said I was the first person that had ever called and apologized to her. So I think I made her day, but I certainly made my day because I had a change in my behavior because I had tried to be an overmanager and I was not happy with the way the world had treated me that day. So I'm just very, very thankful for this book and for the things I'm learning on a daily basis from this book. And it so far has helped me to not pick up food, to comfort myself, but to actually look at myself and try and work on myself. And it is only because of God's grace in my life. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Marcia M. Teresa B., we do have about two or so minutes if you would like to share. I'm not sure if I got the right initial of your last name. This is Therese P. from uh, uh, Montana. Thank you morning. so much for letting me share. Good morning. Um, I was just thinking that I come by this disease honestly. So my dad is currently in the hospital and... Um, my other family members of origin are the same, you know, as far as like um, just trying to manipulate and control just as I would. That is my default setting. I'm a manipulator and I'm a controller. And I want things to go my way. And so I will get in there and try to make decisions and try to direct everyone, make them do what I think that they should do. Um, And I got to practice my program yesterday. Um, And it was really amazing to not be someone who is causing confusion, someone who's trying to manipulate, um, someone who's trying to control. I just got to do what a good daughter would do. And I'm so grateful that I have this program, that I have this amazing, divinely inspired book that gives me direction and helps me to be a better human being today. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Therese P. With one minute there, I think I'll squeeze myself in. Oh, no, actually, there is no one minute to spare, but maybe I'll share on the next hour. Um, So it is time to move on to the uh, closing of our meeting. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The reference number for this meeting, Monday, May 21st, 2018, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 11439. That's 11439. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Will Allison L. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yes, absolutely. Good morning. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. 
The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.